This is a CNA podcast. Doors are closing. When we were doing research on burnout in Singapore, we were struck by just how serious the problems appears to be. Here's one of them. HR solutions company Employment Heroes Wellness at Work Report 22 surveyed about 1,000 people, out of which 62% said that they were experiencing burnout. A staggering 85% of employees felt that they were at risk of burnout. Here's another one. According to UK company Sleepseeker, Singapore is the most fatigued country in the world based on average amount of time spent. I keep hearing the term burnout, Adrian. People tell me that they can feel it, they don't know what to do, how to address it. Have you suffered burnout in your career? Oh yes, I'm glad you asked. There was a period of time in my career where I dreaded sleeping because I know I'll wake up to face another day's problem. And there was an incident that triggered me because I literally cried in front of my office manager in the office, which is why I'm so excited to speak with our guest today to also help me understand, as well as the audience, a bit more about the issue around burnout. What does burnout look like and who succumbs to it? Why is it a problem for organisations too? And to help us unpack this will be our guest, Dr. Zheng Zhimin. She's a consultant psychiatrist at Noble Psychological Wellness Centre. Dr. Zheng has experience treating work-related stress disorders, including burnout. Welcome, Doctor. Hi, thank you for having me, Adrian and Crispina. I'm glad to be here today. We are more than happy to host you. So to kick off, I'd like to understand more on this matter where the WHO World Health Organization described burnout as a workplace phenomenon categorized by feeling of exhaustion, cynicism and reduced efficiency. So is it a medical condition to begin with? So according to WHO definition, occupational burnout is technically not a psychiatric disorder, but it is a possible predisposing factor for people to develop symptoms of psychiatric disorders such as depression and anxiety. That's why we take it very seriously. We often see patients coming to seek help and most of the time they don't realise that what they're experiencing is actually occupational burnout. So what are some of the common symptoms that you see? So for the patients that I've seen in the clinic setting, a lot of times they feel very anxious, just like what Adrian said, they are worried about sleeping because they have to face next days of work. And at night, they tend to ruminate a lot about what they have to do the next day. They have a lot of mental checklists that goes through their mind and inevitably their sleep is negatively affected. They will also report feeling quite irritable, especially when they interact with their family and friends. They find that they snap very easily at them Mm. and their Mm. tempers are very short. When they are at work, per se, they feel very fatigued and exhausted. As they try to get through the day, they often feel very stretched and there is a general tension that they experience um, and that can translate into physical symptoms like tension headaches, muscle aches. So as you can tell, occupational burnout does have quite a wide range of symptoms, including physical and um, emotional. You just described the darkest period of my life. But having said that, there would be instances where I could feel it's not burnt out per se, but I'm still mm. as stressful. I still couldn't sleep. And as a natural born pessimist, I tend to ruminate about a lot of stuff just before I go to bed. So how do I 
differentiate between burnout mm. and just regular stress. And since stress, as I've read in some literature, is actually good for us. Yes, I think all of us need some level of stress to motivate us. And indeed, our performance tends to be optimal when there is some stress. However, the problem is when it becomes excessive. And a lot of times, because we are so busy in our schedules, we tend not to be very mindful of how we feel and what we are thinking of. We just get through day by day, task by task. And so what would differentiate between burnout and normal stress is when you feel that you sometimes think that you can't really go on anymore. You don't really want to face what you have to face. Inevitably, when it affects your functioning, for example, you don't want to do the things that you used to enjoy. You don't want to talk to the people whom you used to like to hang out with. So it affects other aspects of your life, not just when you are at work. So if you're stressed at work, is normal. But when you're out of it, if you're okay, then that will be acceptable level of stress. But when you're out of the workplace and you're still feeling stressed, you're still thinking about work, then that's when mm. it's excessive. Right, right. I wanted to pick up on sleep because sleep is such a indicator and Singaporeans have quite poor sleep patterns, I feel. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We've been reading a lot about how little sleep we get. And it starts from the time they are very young, right? From from the time they are in school because they are just so busy hustling and finishing up their stuff. But do you think that that is a lifestyle thing? Is it because we are so caught up in it? it has something to do with also feeling overwhelmed? I think the irony is that we spend such a great amount of time every day working. When we reach home, we want to unwind, right? And so inevitably we tell ourselves that I deserve these one to two hours of me time. And you end up mindless scrolling through Instagram, uh, you know, watching YouTube videos. But then you realize that it's 1am and then it's time to sleep. Uh. Yeah. So by the time you hit the set, you are still quite stimulated mentally. And then you start to panic because it's 1am and you have to Mm. wake up at 7am. So I would say that the sleep problem that Singaporeans face is, of course, due to the fact that we are very busy, we have a lot of things that we have to get through. But also because sometimes the more stressed we are, the harder it is for us to regulate ourselves. Meaning Mm. to say to set very clear boundaries with regards to our sleeping time, our rest time and really sticking to it. Because Mm. when you are stressed, you will tell yourself that I deserve this extra time, right? I deserve to eat something nice. Yeah. So then you indulge. And then you regret after that. So it becomes like a vicious cycle. That's totally me, Adrian. I'm sure that's you too. (laughs) I I think we all played a part during COVID period where we are all overworked. And I think in China, they even have a term for it called revenge something. I can't recall. But it's Mm. exactly that. Basically, you try to make up for the lost time at work. But work-related burnout, is this something that is just unique to work? Could it also be induced by things that's happened around you on a personal level? And how do we differentiate between the two? If you go by WHO definition, they would recommend that you use the term burnout specifically for work-related burnout. However, I do notice that some individuals are more predisposed to developing burnout. Those who are perhaps physically not very healthy, those who have personal problems. The fact is that you cannot choose what happens to you in life, right? There is always something happening and something new that is thrown at you at work. So it would induce a sense of helplessness. I think that's why people feel exhausted because you feel that you have no choice and no autonomy over your situation. Mm. So when you start to feel helpless, I think that's the time when you have to be quite mindful of 
what's going on within you emotionally and physically. And that's when you start to pick up signs that, hey, you know, maybe I need to relook at my priorities. I need to simplify what I have to do. So sometimes we want to do everything, but simply that is not possible. Mm. The thing that Adrian and I always talk about is our work culture. Frankly, I feel like having worked for quite some time now, it can be punishing. And it's not just something of our choosing, as you said, right? Not everything is within our control. Sometimes it's the work itself. In the newsroom, it's pretty much 24-7, always on call. And I'm sure in your work as well, you see this kind of thing. So given the scenario, how can you realistically separate work from life? and rest, etc. Yeah, so the truth is sometimes I get quite shocked when I hear about the work culture that some of my patients are in. It's very shocking to me, even as a doctor, you know, who used to do 36-hour shifts and, you know, have to <laughs> respond to texts from nurses or colleagues. So I am shocked because sometimes the duration that you have to work, even when you are off work, you still have to respond to texts, emails, WhatsApp, mm. group chats. Mm. And so realistically, I would say, given your position in a company and also the nature of your work, I think sometimes it's unavoidable, right? You just have to be on call. But you still have to set certain ground rules and boundaries for yourself. Right. For example, just really not checking your phone after a certain time, not checking your work emails. I, for one, I don't link my work email account to my handphone because you will end up scrolling through it be yeah. just before you go to bed. And then you start <laughs> to experience some panic because there is a work email that just came in at 8pm, right? And so I would say boundaries would really be the most important thing. And to set a simple and achievable structure in your life. Of course, everyone's limit is different. Everyone's threshold is different. But something that is susceptible to you mm. and then be consistent to stick to it. For example, I want to go to bed by 12 midnight. So indeed, I will just wind down by 11 p.m. Mm. So you have to be kind of strict with yourself on some level, but not to the point that that would stress you out, if that makes sense. So only when we operate within safe boundaries, then we will feel comfortable. You know, we feel that this is something that I can accept and not unnecessarily feel too stretched beyond our limits. Right. I love the parameter that you mentioned. I personally set up focus time on my phone. So after 9 p.m., I will not be notified. Although I may have a tendency occasionally to overwrite it, I'm thinking of putting in a password or getting my wife to put in a password and don't tell me the password. <laughs> uh, but, and, and that is a great way to do so. But over and above, are there other things that people who may be experiencing symptoms of burnout that they could do on a self-care basis? You mentioned earlier on uh, there's a tendency for this group of people to be not so physically active. So obviously, regular exercise may be a great way to alleviate. Any other things I need other tips or things that you believe might be useful, maybe mindfulness, meditation, yes. etc.? So I would suggest for everyone to incorporate it as a way of life rather than looking at it as a task. Okay, it's time to be mindful. It's time for my meditation, right? Because that becomes an additional task that you have to do and then it More becomes stressful. unenjoyable. Yeah, yeah. So because we are busy enough already. So personally, because I'm a mother of two young children and working full-time, there is always constantly so many things things to do. So what I find helpful is just to set aside time, like say when you're having your meals. A lot of people go through their meals without being mindful of what they're eating. So being mindful, right, essentially is just a state of being, how you're feeling, what you're thinking. There is no right or wrong. It is just a state of being and just mm -hmm. being aware of that. 
And so when you feel that you are overwhelmed, then that's the time that you have to start to ground yourself a little bit. So you could just take maybe just five minutes, you know, when you're at work in front of your work desk to go through within yourself how you're feeling, what I'm thinking of right now, and to bring yourself back to the present. So that is a simple mindfulness exercise. Other things that I would suggest to my patients would be when you're eating, just be aware of what you're eating, you know, enjoy it. So in simple daily tasks like that, you can practice mindfulness. Self-care is something also very important. I think nowadays we are so busy that even showering is a luxury. <laughs> Just having half an hour to groom yourself in the bathroom. So if that is your thing, then that half an hour should be yours and yours alone. So I would say guard your personal space and guard what you treasure. Because it's very easy to feel guilty, right? If your kid needs you, you'll be like, okay, never mind. I'll just shower 10 minutes and I'll go and attend to my children. But if you forego that, then you'll feel a lack of balance within yourself. Or even resentful, right? That, yes. oh my God, why can't I just have I this I have to sacrifice enough? this for your... Yeah, so you end up not feeling happy. Your family and your friends will also sense the energy from you. So I would always encourage people to do what they're comfortable with within the limits that they set for themselves. And right. most of the time, you'll be fine. Of course, barring the exceptional occasion whereby there are certain things that are thrown at you last minute, but those are exceptions. And then you can slowly get back to what you were comfortable with. Hi, I'm Stephen Chia. And I host the new season of our podcast, Heart of the Matter. Join me in getting right to the heart of the headlines as we speak with experts and newsmakers to delve deep into the most talked about news developments. Look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. So I wanted to get a little bit from you about the role that organizations play, in particular bosses play. When we think about burnout, we always think, okay, the person has to have agency, take care of themselves, do all these things, which is true because if I don't say anything to my boss, there's no way he's going to know I'm burnt out, right? But from an organizational point of view, what do you think? Like, how do I even start this conversation? It must be difficult for some people, right? Definitely. I think it is not in our culture to go to our boss and say, I think we should have more work-life balance. I think the company can do this or that. I guess the first thing is whether or not there is a safe avenue for opinions and feedback to be provided in the first place. So that could be an anonymous feedback channel or even some companies set up wellness helplines, right? So that you can call in and talk to someone. When I was working in a public hospital, there was a mental wellness helpline. Employees can call in. And I think the call rate was quite high during the pandemic period because it was oh. so stressful for all the healthcare workers. Yeah, yeah. So I think being made aware of such channels is very important. So I think what organizations can do is to highlight the accessibility and the availability of such channels to give feedback for employees to seek help, for example, and to make it easy for them to get to. What I would also suggest is to have a culture that there should be balance. No one should stay beyond a certain time, although I know that is hardly possible in a lot of companies. But if the boss sets an example, the management sets an example, then everyone will feel that it's safe to do the same. Mm. But if the boss is still in the office at 11pm, then I guess no one would dare to leave the office, right? So I think to live by example would be the most important thing and to have very clear 
culture and uh, I guess HR would be important in enforcing some of these. So initiatives like encouraging physical wellness so there can be exercise programs, you know, benefits that employees can enjoy to assess certain healthcare facilities, for example. So these will all encourage people to take care of themselves better. Yeah. Adrian, was that your experience though when, you know, when you were going through a tough time? It is somewhat similar. I was running my own business, so I basically set the benchmark. And in what Dr. Chen just mentioned, of course, you just try to plow even more time into solving a problem that cannot be solved. In fact, I was really looking at the wrong problem. And of course, with that, it also drove some of my co-workers crazy because hey, why he's still in the office and that also created that kind of environment which could be very tense and inflicted a lot more pain on other people as well. I'm just thinking for the bosses for the managers that may still be in that mode, just like I was last time, where they prefer to flex it out in the office and using that time spent as a key indicator. What is the message you want to say to them? What do you need to tell them to convince them that actually solving burnout is actually productive and even beneficial for your company bottom line? Are there studies and any publication that cites such methods? I think there's a lot of research that goes into looking at occupational burnout and what eventually can happen as a result. So the negative impact on overall productivity, not just individual productivity, but also overall productivity. So it would depend on what the bosses are keen on in terms of an organizational culture. Would you want people to stay long in the job? Would you want people to be able to contribute at the optimal level. So if these things are important to you, if staff retention is important to you, then reducing burnout would really be the way to go. If we were to rephrase it, rather than saying preventing burnout, perhaps we can say optimizing and increasing wellness balance at the workplace. I think when it's phrased in a more positive way, there is something positive to work towards too. I think bosses are more motivated, right? Because if it's a problem you have to solve, I think even for bosses... Is another headache. But if we look at it as something that is beneficial, it's quite intangible. Um, you cannot measure it. You cannot measure the output straight away. But with time, you will be able to reap the benefits. And I would encourage for bosses to take care of themselves as well. I think because as a boss or even as a management level, your interests are very different from that of an employee because you are that much more vested in the business and therefore that's what drives you but unfortunately that's what drives you but then again that is not what is going to sustain you in the long run so I would encourage for bosses to take care of themselves as well and ask yourself whether you are burnt out because if you are burnt out then naturally I think the rest of the organisation would also be affected I'm just curious, you see many patients, right? I mean, they come to you with various problems. Is there a type which is more susceptible to burnout? Are there people who are more likely to be burnt out? Or is that no discernible pattern? From the patients that I have seen, I think it's quite difficult to observe any noticeable patterns or certain groups of people. But I would say generally, people who have dependents, either mm. young children or elderly parents. You know, I have some patients who are the only caregivers for their children or their parents. They don't have much right. help. So naturally, you are not only working at the workplace. When you get off work, you are still working. Right. And so when you have additional load, but you only have 24 hours a day, you're that much more susceptible to being overly stretched and exhausted and experience burnout as a result. 
So I would say those who have a lot on their plate, you really need to simplify what you have to do as far as possible. Yeah. Don't make it too complicated for yourself <laughs> if you can. And when these patients come to you to seek professional help, roughly how long have they been suffering from this? I'm trying to understand from the perspective where does people really have trouble sharing that they do have burnout? And what can family members or friends really help to take note of these symptoms and nudge them in the right direction? Or even encourage them. Sometimes I know her friends who... I know for sure that there is a problem. They are suffering through something. But whenever I suggest maybe you should see someone, they're like, no, I don't think so. I think I can solve this myself. Does that get worse, actually? I think there are two aspects to this. I think Singaporeans take a lot of pride in work and being able right. to take on what comes at us at work. So that's one thing. So you feel that you should be able to handle this you know, so the things that you tell yourself, right, I should be able to handle this. This is nothing where others can handle it. Why can't I? So sometimes you really have to evaluate these things that you tell yourself. Is it really something that is in accordance to your own values or it's what you think other people expect of you? That's one thing. I think friends and family is certainly a very, very important aspect to this whole equation because a lot of my patients only came to see me because their uh, personal relationships were affected. Family and friends right. have told them, you're not really yourself. So I think for family and friends, it's also how you phrase it. No one likes to feel that they are a problem, right? Mm -hmm. No one likes to feel that they have a problem because it makes us feel weak. So you can rephrase it in another way. You can make comments like, hey, you know, I've noticed that recently things have been quite tough for you. Do you want to have a talk about it? You find out a little bit more, be genuinely interested. And if it's really what you thought, that they are really having a hard time, or you could encourage them to seek help by providing some good outcomes from seeking help, for example, that you'll feel better about your work, you'll be able to go the distance, you will be able to parent your kids better if mm. you solve these problems. So I think these are what motivates people to seek help. Usually it's for the sake of other people, right? And their own health. Right. So that's what I would recommend. And with that, thank you so much, Dr. Cheng, for sharing with us more about burnout and how we can identify all these different symptoms and also to help ourselves be better when we see someone suffering from all this. Thank you so much, Dr. Cheng. Thanks, Dr. Cheng. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you, Crispina. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Work It. We've got a refreshed slate of audio material you can listen to on your commute or your workout. Go to the CNE website or app and look for the listen button. And if you have thoughts, ideas, or even stories you'd like to share, please write to us. The details are in the episode notes. Till next time, this is Work It. <laughs>